So John, the book of John, chapter 14, verse 26. That is our opening scripture today. Amen. All right. Scroll up, please. Thank you. All right. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, who's speaking? That's right. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, the main focus I want us, uh, I want us to focus on this scripture is, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, go ahead and put the amplified version for me, sister. Now, the amplified version is a different version of the Bible, obviously, and it puts on in parentheses um, words to make, make more sense. You can use, uh, put other words uh, so you have a better understanding. Thank you, brother. If you just tone it down for me, please. All right. So verse 26, sister, if you could scroll up for me, please. Uh-huh. Up, up. Amen. All right. Now it says, but the comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, stand by the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. The counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the person, the thing that will stand in the gap for you, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby right here. That is the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus. Now we're going to start out with the divinity of the Holy Spirit. Now who remembers what divinity means? Who could tell me? Come on, somebody. Divinity. Almost. Gilbert? Why don't you come up here, brother? No? Okay, Davi. My Bible scholar. It means godly. Godly. Amen. That's good. Godly. The divinity. So, meaning the divinity of the Holy Spirit, meaning uh, the Holy Spirit as, as God. Okay? So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me get an amen when you're there. Oh, you guys are biased. Let me get an amen when you're there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from who? Who you have received from who? Is anybody there? We're going to start over, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Sister, can you put my mic down just a tad bit, please? Let me get an amen when you're there. 1 Corinthians three sixteen, amen. All right, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from? Who you have received from? That's right. You are not your own. Less of you, less of me, more of you, right? Is that what it is? Is that what we're just singing? Less of me, God, more of you. You are not your own, for you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 3.16. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. You guys don't have to turn there with me right now. 
Now, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Verse 20, built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. I want you guys to remember that, okay? As Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. Verse 21, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, and in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. In other words, you, the temple. Amen. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 3.16 again. You know what? I think I put the wrong scripture for this one because it repeats 3.16. But I'm going to read it to you. I, I believe it's uh, 1 Corinthians 6, somewhere around that area. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? All right, so we have three scriptures referring that the Holy Spirit is in you, right? And not just in you, but you yourselves are a temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. And right here in 1 uh, I believe, I hope this is 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple? And the scripture before, the, first, the, the second one I read, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that, you're, that, that you yourselves are God's temple? You see how Paul is saying that you are God's temple, that you are the Holy Spirit's temple? Therefore, you are, he's saying, that he is explaining the divinity of Christ. He's saying they, they are one together. Amen? I want to sidetrack for, for uh, a quick second and show you that... Uh, what you heard in Ephesians 2.20, um, the chief cornerstone. Since if you could put that picture up for me, please. The chief cornerstone. How many of you guys know what exactly what that is? I was like, man, I don't even know what that is. Chief cornerstone. What is that? So I looked it up, right? Sister, can you put that picture up, please? Now, the chief cornerstone. This is the chief cor- cornerstone. You see, it is the first stone set on a building, on a foundation that sets the whole structure together. All the bricks and everything else on it is built around it. It's built around it. See, the the exact definition of cornerstone, the cornerstone uh, uh, concept is the first stone set in the construction of masonry foundation, important since all other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus the determining the position of the entire structure so jesus christ is our cornerstone he set the foundation and we are built around him and as the temple of god the holy spirit and god that dwells inside of us as the temple we are structured around jesus christ i'm going to read you a quote from adam clark as we have only one god Oh, come on, people, right there. That just gave me goosebumps. Come on, somebody, let me get an amen. As we have only one God, and 
one only Savior and mediator between God and man, and one only inspiring Spirit, so, so there is but one church in which this ineffable Jehovah God performs his work of salvation. The church, however, scattered and divided throughout the world. We got churches in India, in, in Mexico, in China, in the United States, South America, right? The, that church, however, scattered and divided throughout the world. It's but one building founded in the Old and New Testament. All those churches around the world is yet, is but one building. How is that remotely possible? God, the Holy Spirit, the architect, unites these buildings together to create one body, having but one sacrifice. The Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, that takes Away the sin of the world. Amen. Let's go on to Mark chapter 3, verse 28. Let me get an amen when you're there. Mark chapter 3, verse 28. I tell you the truth. All the sin and blasphemes of men will be forgiven them. But however, blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of, a, of an eternal sin. Verse 30, he said this, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. Hold on, time out, time out, time out. <laughs> I remember when I first read this, I was like, whoa. I straight up cursed God out in front of the church. Am I forever condemned? You see, the scripture is not saying that exactly. You see, the scripture is referring to the unbelievers that say and characterize the miracles of Christ is through the spirit of the devil. You see, those people that, that uh, Jesus was speaking to the people at this time, Jesus was, was uh, making all of these, doing all these miracles. Healing the paralyzed, the mute, the deaf. He's creating all these miracles. And these people come out and they're accusing him. He has an evil spirit. The devil is inside of him. You see, that's blaspheme. You see, the scripture is referring to the unbelievers. The unbelievers that say and characterize the miracles of Christ is through the spirit of the devil. Blaspheme against the Holy Spirit is something only unsaved people can do. Am I right? You see, once you know God, once you were born again, you, you instantly receive the Spirit of God. You instantly receive the Holy Spirit. You awaken. You know your eyes are open to a totally new world. You see, a person that's saved, truly saved, it's impossible to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Amen? So don't, don't get scared now. Amen? I got scared. I was like, oh, no. Woo. I started shaking my boots, or my ones, or my Crocs, whatever I'm wearing. Amen. Now, you see, let's tie this together in Acts 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. Now, this is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Let me get an amen when you're there. Amen. All right. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, Sapphira, 
also sold a piece of property. Verse 2. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest of it, but brought the rest and put it on the apostles' feet. So what did he do? He sold his property. He kept back part of the money for himself and then gave the rest to the apostles, to the church. Verse 3, then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for that land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. Now hold on, let's go back to verse 3. It says, how How has Satan so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? And the last scripture, the last verse, it says, you have not lied to men, but to God. You have lied to the Holy Spirit, you have lied to God. He's referring to the same person. Is lying a sin? Right? Is lying a sin? So in verse 29 of Mark 3, verse 28, it states, He is guilty of an eternal sin. Paul describes the Holy Spirit and God as the same person. Lying. Lying, to, lying is sinful. He lied to the Holy Spirit, therefore he lied to God. Everybody got the thing caps on? Amen. Still got it on? Make sure you guys, nobody, nobody dropped it? Amen. All right. Who's taking notes? Amen. <laughs> Amen. And there goes my man on the floor, rolling, 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 and there it goes. All right. Now, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, we're going we're gonna to touch that right quick. Thank you, brother, for picking that up. We find that the Holy Spirit is, was, was part of creation. Let's go to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, all the way. We're kicking it back way old school. We're kicking it back old school. Work that word. Everybody go like this. Work that word. Work it. Work it. Amen. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Let me get amen when you is there. There you go. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now that's Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It's speaking of the creation. The creation is God was creating the earth. It says that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the waters. It's mentioned. Now, Isaiah the prophet speaks on the Holy Spirit being put upon, being put upon Jesus 700 years before His birth. So Isaiah... A prophet, right, 700 years before Jesus was even born, prophesied on the Spirit of God hovering over Jesus. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. Let me get an amen. Ooh, I knew I was going to get an amen right away. Come on. If you don't know where it's at, table of contents. Amen. Isaiah 11, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on Him. Speaking of Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on Him. 
like the white dove rested on him, right? The Holy Spirit when he was getting baptized. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of the counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. All one spirit described in four, di- three different, four different ways. It's described from Isaiah falling on Jesus. Let's go to Numbers. The book of Numbers. Chapter 11, verse 25. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him. Now, this, this um, before I read this full scripture, in Numbers chapter 11, verse 25, God is speaking to Moses about Israel's elders, okay? So God is speaking literally to Moses, all right? About Israel's elders. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him. And he spoke and he and he took of the spirit that was in him and put the spirit on the seventy elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. So what happened when the spirit fell on the on the elders? What happened when the, when the Spirit fell on the elders? They prophesied. Now let's go to Acts chapter 19, verse 6 real quick. Right back. Oh, new school. New school. Come on. Acts chapter 19, verse 6. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and what? And prophesied. The same Spirit that was with Moses in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, is the same Spirit, it's the same Holy Spirit, the same Holy Ghost, the same Shikaboomba fire that was on Paul when he rested his hands on, on, the, on the men of God and they spoke in tongues and prophesied the same Spirit on two different occasions. Amen? Amen. All right, now let's speak of the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit. I love this one. This is my favorite part of the message, by the way. Because it gives more detail on what the Spirit is supposed to do in our lives. As young men and young women of God, as soon as we are born again, like I said before, we receive the Spirit instantly. But what do we do with the Spirit? What do we do? How do we call on it? What is He supposed to do with me? Is He supposed to change me? Is He supposed to rearrange me? people come on now once the spirit falls on you it is alive in you it's a fire burning inside of you and it is up to you to dedicate your life to god to be desperate for his word to be desperate for prayer to be desperate for the fellowship to be desperate to be surrounded by the spirit of god to be surrounded by the fire of god and when you do so you find these roles of the holy spirit you find that the holy spirit gives you hope you find that the holy spirit gives you strength you find that the holy spirit guides you you find that the holy spirit searches all things and reveals all things and you find that the Holy Spirit will not only teach you, but will remind you. Not only teach you, but will remind you of the things that you are supposed to do. Woo! I love preaching. Thank you, Lord. See, I love these messages. This is somewhat of a new, of a new thing I'm doing. The Lord's working in me with. 
Well, man, do I miss screaming my lungs out on this mic, okay? <laughs> Amen. All right. So the Holy Spirit gives us hope, and we find this in the book of Romans, verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 13. You do not have to go there. I'm going to go through these quite quickly. Now, may the, may the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Ephesians 3.16, we find strength, that the Holy Spirit gives us strength. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with the power through His Spirit in your inner being. Now we find that the Holy Spirit guides us in John chapter 16, verse 13. But when He, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. So He guides you. Now who knows what is to come? Who is the one person that knows what is going to come? Only God. Can I promise that you're going to live till you're 30 years old? No, I cannot. Can I promise you tomorrow? No, I cannot. But who can? God can. And if the Holy Spirit is described right here as, and He will tell you what is yet to come, meaning He will tell you what the future holds, only God can do that. It's described as the Holy Spirit doing that. The same attribute of God. Amen? Searches. The Holy Spirit searches all things and reveals. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Jesus. The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us. And this is found in John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Hallelujah. In Romans 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us and groans that words cannot express. Speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in the fire of God. You see, sometimes we don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Holy Spirit, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it speaks for us. It intercedes for us. The Spirit of God is a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful tool. Or not a tool, but a wonderful counselor. Because He guides us. He gives us hope. He strengthens us. He teaches us. I worship the Holy Spirit. Just as much as I worship Jesus, just as much as I worship God the Father. The Holy Spirit is essential and we need Him. Now take Peter for an example. After, well, let's, let's just speak in, in, uh, in our lives. After we're saved, right? After we're 
baptized in the Spirit, after we receive the Holy Spirit, something dramatic changes. Something dramatic changes in you. The relationship with the Father is on a deeper level. The hunger grows. A sense of boldness is produced. Amen? The fruit of the Spirit, it, it, it creates boldness in you. It creates a fire, a hunger that you have never felt before. And we take Peter as a prime example of it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 14, and I'm going to ask that you turn there for me, please. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Now, this is after um, the event of Pentecost. They have received the Holy Ghost. And they get out of the house stumbling. Oh, oh, we just got rocked by God. And everybody's like, what is going on? Are they drunk? What is going on? They're walking out the house stumbling, drunk off the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, Peter addresses the crowd. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. <laughs> Verse 16, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and, and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Verse 21, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 22, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Verse 23, this man was handed over to you by God, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of a wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Now we're going to skip over to verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the hearts. They felt something when Peter addressed this and the people heard it. There was a conviction the Holy Spirit said, sets on them. People heard this. They were cut in the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall I do? Man, I love that part where it says, 
they were cut to the heart. See, the words of Peter were not the words of Peter. They were the words of God through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, in Hebrews it says that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. It cuts. It slices. They were cut in the hearts. You guys, we need to pray that when we go out and preach the word of the living God, that we cut to the hearts. That as we speak the word, as we quote scripture of the living God, that we cut, that we penetrate, that we use the sword that is given to us by God to slice through the enemy, to go through the darkness and penetrate, penetrate, See, the Lord has equipped us not just with an armor, but with weapons. The Word of God is our sword. And it will penetrate through anything, any obstacle. You put it in my way, I will slice through it with the Word of God. The devil could lie to you over and over and over again. He could set obstacles in your ways. You might trip over, but you will catch yourself. For our God is a good God. And in Hebrews, he says that he will never leave nor forsake you. And according to his word, his word is a sword. And you are fully equipped with it. And capable to fight back with spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Verse 39, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Verse 40, with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Elevate, save yourself from this corrupt generation generation what was my prayer that a generation will rise up elevate you are a generation we are a generation and we need to rise up back to the message (laughs) verse 41 those who accepted this message were baptized and about three thousand three thousand were added to their numbers that day in a single day. After the Holy Ghost used Peter to preach among the Jews, they awoke and they realized they need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And 3,000 were saved. Man, can you guys just try to comprehend that? That is like Prosser. Like Prosser being saved in a single day. That is like your school being saved in a single day. Jesus 
Woo! Come on. The same Peter, the same Peter that denied Jesus three times was used through the Holy Spirit to create a revival. The same Peter. Once Peter received the Holy Spirit, something dramatic changed. His relationship with the Father was on a deeper level. His hunger grew and a sense of boldness was produced. Amen? Now, you guys, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit will move in us. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit will move in us individually, each, so we can see prosperous data.